Hey, Steve. Hey, Chris. What did you think about 2018 in terms of games? In terms of games. Well, 2018 was, was an interesting year for me. I think that this is at least the first year in a while that I've felt like life has gotten in the way of games. Really? Where I still I still had a pretty decent, you know, look through. Uh, but just that the, you know, being a parent, working jobs, and you know, my, my wife working, all that other stuff, um, did slow down my progress and reduce the number of things. Now, granted, the stuff that I think fell off is stuff that maybe wasn't worth beating anyway. Uh, I, I never that. I never finished the, the, the Star Wars Battlefront. Two campaign. You never finished it, huh? I never finished it. I can it. imagine because fun is something that might be lacking in Star Wars Battlefront. Actually, too. no. The, the campaign <laughs> was the, the campaign was pretty was a pretty fun like uh, little Star Wars story. Well, actually, see, I finished the first campaign. I never finished. There's like a second campaign. Um, but we do have plenty to talk about. So yeah. Anyway, anyway, but, but yeah. So that that, that that me up. But otherwise, I think it was it was a good year. There were some some really solid releases. Some some surprises, I guess. In terms of not, not really surprises, the I look at God of War as being a surprise on a couple fronts because well we'll get to it we get we'll to get it. to it we'll get Spider Man had to, that did surprise both of us because every E three footage or whatever we looked at we were like okay come on let's get to the next thing it's like we don't know if Spider Man's going to be all that great or not yeah yeah. Um, but um, I know I, I kind of know what you're talking about because for me I would say a couple of things did surprise me and how much I enjoyed them. But at the same time, like I looked back at last year and last year really made it because because uh, for gaming with jobs I said I'm a part of we do a top ten list and you kind of right. got to rank everything that you uh, played. And uh, for me, looking back at 2017 was like wow. Like, just the top three items, uh, not even, like, the top four. Last year was... Nier Automata. Uh, Nier Automata, Legend of Zelda, Breath, Breath of the, of the Wild, Wild, Mario Odyssey, and Hellblade. Horizon Zero Dawn, Hellblade. Okay, for you, Horizon Zero Dawn. Remember, yeah. I was not too big on that. But that's the thing. Yeah. Is like those four games right there, and I played Akiba's Beat, which is still, like, a love-hate game. I love it. I hate it. I, I'm both. <laughs> so it's, it's like, last year was an incredible impact, and this year, it kind of speaks a lot to me that my favorite game of the year released in January. Which isn't to say that I disliked mm. other games that released this year. I, there are plenty that I liked. And in fact, the runner-up game released in November. So it's kind of bookended by two really good... Well, games that I really enjoyed. But for me, it's about coming to terms with what I really like. And now in 2019, I'm basically just ready. It's like, I'm playing what I want to play. So is Battlefield 5, was that, no. your, was that no. your second? No, you, 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 your runner-up. <laughs> you close-shaven jerk <laughs> on the head. You know, yeah, I, 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 believe this or not, I miss Steve's hipster haircut, people. I have no idea what he's going for now. He wants uh, to be like a, like a, like a, uh, no, like you, 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 know, want, so you want people to think you're all military. You ain't no, never not, been in the not, military. It's not, it's not military. You ain't the army. You know what it is? See, here's, here's the problem is that I'm like, I'm too like, if I, if, 
if I had this haircut or how it was when I got it, uh, and I was like skinny like I used to be, then I would just I would look like like a hipster, like I belonged at like a coffee shop <laughs> or something. But because I'm like, you know, bigger, I'd look like I'm like a Conor McGregor wannabe or something like that. Listen to this conceited jerk talk himself up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, let's... Connor, I really Conor McGregor wannabe. That's not really talking yourself up. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying you're ripped, dude. Come on. I don't know. But uh, okay. we, let, let's go. Um, we, we digress. We're gonna try. We're gonna try and be a little more organized than we usually are. And we try something like this. We're gonna go back and forth. We're gonna talk about a game we both played. Then we're gonna bore you with each of us monologuing about a game just one of us played, and then go back to a game we both played. So hopefully that'll uh, give you something to wake up to every and, so often. And these are in some of these are broadly in release order. Some of these are not. I try to go release order, but we yeah, eh, kind of sorta. So the fir- which means the first game we both discuss is actually. That's another funny thing. Just about every game we both discuss, we already did a podcast episode. So about. We, we shouldn't have to talk too long about it. We shouldn't. No, but the first game is uh, it is an iconoclast, right? It yep. is. It's there iconoclast. We, we don't have an envelope. It's just we. I can't see it, his it's phone. My phone. Yeah. It's a, yeah. <laughs> so iconoclast, my favorite game this year, because it hit like all the buttons. It's it's not technically the greatest gameplay. But what it does, it does really well. It knows how to teach you the basics, and it relies on like basic ideas of an abstraction of what it means to be a mechanic. And it takes some basic interactions, like swinging the wrench and jumping, and like let's build all these ideas off of this, so mm-hmm. that from start to finish, you're never doing just the same old thing. You're doing some new variation of it for, uh, throughout the entire game. But what really does sell it is the story. Mm-hmm. I loved every character. I loved the story. I played this game like three times this year, man. Yeah, you know, it really... It, I would agree it was a great game. I would say... It's sort of like the Rush of video games. Rush the band. Okay? <laughs> it's, a little, it's a little bit... It's a little bit quirky. It's a little bit weird, right? Um, it's, it's technically like technically good but obviously you know it's not the most technically amazing thing in the world yeah right? i would Especially... say your automata is the yes of video game if we're going with this uh, analogy yeah. yeah there we go yeah but this it uh you know, the story, like, you know, especially it's like 70s Rush, not like newer Rush, <laughs> but like, you know, there's like a story and it's like, it's kind of complicated it's and you 21, really need 12. to pay attention. Yeah, it's like 2112. Like, but less cheesy. Definitely less cheesy. Uh, so it's sort of like, yeah, it, it's really, it's great in its own way. And I can sort of, it's a sort of, there are, there are games that are not for everyone uh, that, how, how would I say this? It's a sort of game that you can also see how people just sort of get lost in it. Like, I know people who all they wanted to listen to was Rush for, like, a long time. So I can understand somebody like you. How many times did you play Iconoclast through this year? Three times. Three times, right. It's a kind of game that some people are going to want to play through three times. They just want, like, the only, they've got a fever and the only remedy is more Iconoclasts. <laughs> uh, that would be Blue Oyster Cult, though. But... <laughs> <laughs> but I, so, so anyways, that's my bad analogy. But Iconoclast was, was really a great little game. Uh, 
It's not even a little game. It's I played it on my Vita, so it was like a little game to me because like I only ever <laughs> played it on a screen that was this big. Well, next week, uh, next Friday, the 18th. This will be up by Saturday, so January 18th. Limited Run Games is going to start selling physical editions of Iconoclast for Switch, and they got a collector's edition that comes in what looks like a Super Nintendo box with a print manual and the soundtrack CD. I'm buying this. Of course you are. I am getting this. Normally, it's like collector's edition, overpriced, I don't have the room for it, but no. I'm buying this again. I'm buying this game a third time, but I will not open this. Well, uh, hmm. see, I don't know if I want to open this package up or not. I'll figure that out, but I'm buying it, regardless. You know, I don't, especially like, if it's like the collector's edition of like Halo 7 or something like that, I'm not really going to care that much about, like, I'm not going to buy it an extra time for that. But you got to, like, Iconoclast is, what's the guy's name? He's like, like one guy. Joaquin Sandberg. Yeah, yeah Joaquin Sandberg. It's one guy. Like, okay, you know, buy an extra copy of his game for him. Support oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, business. Yeah. Support, um, what's And just, his? like, I want the limited run game. Limited run game, yeah. I was going to say second I, run. I want run. this physical copy that looks like a Super Nintendo box, because that's why I love it, because it feels like if you never move to 3D, this is the evolution of Super Nintendo mm-hmm. games we will be playing now. That's the best way I can put it. So, And it is, for me, the best story of the year in a video game. Granted, I have not played Red Dead Redemption 2. Some of the stuff that I saw makes that sound good, but I can already tell I'd hate its open-world gameplay. So... Or I'd hate yeah. the, the, the the actual combat in the gameplay, which would lead me to hate the open world gameplay. So because you get tired of yeah, I, I was that was really high on my list, but I never did play Red Dead uh, too. So so we're fake gamers. So we're, yeah, we're fake. So so you can I'll just assume that that's the real game of the year, and anything <laughs> we talk about is just kind of. Eh. Alright, so Iconoclast, listen to, obviously listen to the full-length episode. We do have our full-length episode. I have a video on Ramble Pack on YouTube, so there you go, you get that too. Lots of stuff about Iconoclast from the Ramble Pack channel. Domain, I don't know. Yeah. So then you have... Does this this kind of, I feel like these kind of tie, not not entirely tie in, but these these first three, we we start with Iconoclast, which we both really enjoy. Yes. Which is also one of my top Three, four, five—it's it's up there. It's yes. I, I'm not gonna say. I say my top five. I'm not going to rank. They're just—they're the top. They're five. the top five. Okay. And they're each special in their own way. Um, so but then we sort of have two uh, other games that are old school throwbacks. Dude, I wrote the, this list up yesterday. I don't even remember what's next. You're gonna have to help me here. <laughs> um, so I, both RPGs. Both are old oh, school in their own way. Oh, okay. Yours is maybe a little bit more modern, where, where I went with a with a more indie one. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, we went on two different. Okay, so yeah, my next game is Octopath Traveler, um, which I was tempted to get that for you for Christmas, but then when it's like a hundred hour RPG, you got kids. Can you do you really have time for this? And uh, yeah, I then I got you Dragon Quest in eleven instead. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten three hours of Dragon Quest in. How, when did you get it for me? Uh, Christmas. Christmas. Well, so it was a few days before Christmas. Well, okay, but in my defense, I waited until I finished World of Final Fantasy so to start help. Dragon Quest, so, which I've so, now started on Switch. Yeah, the way I had started playing that a little bit on PS4 before, but anyway. Yeah, anyway, so Octopath so Traveler. Traveler. So Octopath Traveler is. The, 
The first thing I gotta really say about Octopath Traveler is having gotten to the the true end, but not beaten the true end. I wish they took a more Legend of Mana approach to its world building, because the game's about the game's story isn't really about its characters; it's about the world you're in. It's it's eight characters that have their own little thing going on, but there's a grander story going. But unlike Legend of Mana, it's almost like Octopath Traveler itself doesn't really care. Hmm. And there's almost no real indication for what the real story is to get to. It's like, you get the world building, but then there's like some very random, just side quest stuff that happens. And then it's like, okay, now once you've been all eight quests, which give you the background information you need to know... Here's this big epic finale. Um, but that's what uh, a lot of people end up having an issue with. Is by the time you hit chapter 3, which is like 40 hours in, maybe 50, you're like, okay, I'm losing interest because the characters aren't interacting. They're not really... like. There's not much story going on here. Everyone feels a bit... Uh, feels more like a caricature than a character. Um... Which is interesting because at the same time everyone has different favorites. Uh, like I, I really liked Therion, not a lot of people did. I really liked Tressa, not a, le- a lot of people did. What we're seeing is that I clearly am very much a contrarian. <laughs> yeah. um, but what really makes the game shine though is its combat. And it's an interesting push forward from what Bravely Default did. Like Bravely Default was like, store turns up so you can unleash them all at once. Bravely Default's execution is more you get the the battle points or whatever you call them, uh, uh, boost points. You get the boost points every uh, turn as long as you don't boost your character, uh, their strength, whatever basic attacks you want to do. Okay. Um, and what that does is it allows you to kind of focus on, or at least the way I ended up playing, it's like a single player MMO phase. You do buffs, debuffs when you can. Right. You try and instead focus on weak points to reduce the enemy's shield. Because it'll have like uh, seven. And every time you hit a weak point, it'll go down one. So then you also consider like Therion's got an attack with his knife. That on like his uh, HP thief or magic thief. Mm-hmm. Where he'll still hit points or magic points to restore himself. But that counts as two attacks. So if an enemy is weak to uh, dagger then you can take two uh, off of their um, off of their shield. And once they break, then they have a turn where they can't attack. So knowing when you want to break an enemy, and knowing um, how many turns... Because like, if you break an enemy right at the end of the turn, you don't get to take advantage of their drop defense or the, the fact that okay, they're not right. attacking. Because then it's going to reset so at the beginning of the next ideally turn. Ideally, so. you want to break them at the beginning of a turn so they have two turns where they're not attacking... And then you can build up more be- uh, more boost points and so like unleash Hex. So it's like DPS, only there's no seconds. It's just one round where you're doing as much damage as you can. Or early on in the, in the fight, that's when you're going to use all your boost points to increase the amount of time the enemy is debuffed or your guys are buffed. So again, like there's, there's this interesting strategy about 
how to deal with, okay, we want to knock their, their shield down, but do we want to knock their shield down yet? Do we want to wait a little bit? Am I going to have these guys spend this turn buffing themselves so that when the shield's down, they can do as much damage as possible? And by the end you of the game... You want them in the buff when the shield goes down? I... What? <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. I don't know what you're even saying right now. Why are you drinking alcohol? Didn't we decide this is a bad idea? It is a bad idea. I didn't get you any. I'm sorry. I'm fine. That's fine. I gotta drive. Um, but it's like what you want turn-based role-playing games to be in terms of combat now. You want someone to look at this and be like, Oh, I see all the interesting decisions going on. Let's bring that into like turn-based role-playing games. Because like, right. that's the downside. I'm watching you play a little bit of Dragon Quest Eleven, 11 where it's like attack, and it's very simple. fire. Granted, there Heal. is a downside because Octopath Traveler, once you're really high in level, unlike Bravely Default, they don't give you ways to set like the encounter rate to zero. So you're just kind of sitting there like, okay, random oh, encounters in the beginning, and yeah. even when you're higher, like until you reach a certain level. You can't really one like round kill anything, so it's like okay, these enemies are weak. They're not giving me a lot of experience, and it's still taking me like five minutes to do a battle. And it doesn't have the auto battle button like uh, World of Final Fantasy. If it does, I don't recall. I never auto battle okay. really. Okay, yeah. But it is disappointing in that right. But otherwise, I mean, it's a good game. I could see why, and I was one of them. Like I played the demo, and I was like, I need to buy this game, and it's good at times it's great it is not as a whole package great that's the problem there's great aspects about it but it's also unnecessarily long there's some quality of life stuff they did need to do like again just take bravely defaults modification of um encounter rate they needed that stuff in order to really make the game great instead Zero encounters is the item you get for beating the final, final, final boss. Oh, thank you. And at that point, it's especially because of how difficult it is, it's like, I don't need this. Yeah. It, it's one of those JRPG rewards where it's like, oh, now that I don't need it. Yeah, so. that's, we'll, give, we'll give it to you. Yeah, that's, that's kind of uh, frustrating. But meanwhile, you played... I played Cosmic Star Heroine. Uh, which is, a, this is a little bit of a cheat. Oh, no, 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 heroin would be, sorry. Yeah. I, was, um, I was about to make a bad joke, people, I'm sorry. And it was a visual joke, and so none of you would have gotten it anyway. Um, which is, I think, a little bit of a cheat. I don't know when it exactly it came out, but it's it's one of those games that's been, I think it like came out on Steam like two years ago, and then it got released on about Switch right. this year, and like, so so I, it's a little bit of a cheat, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it anyway. So Cosmic Star Heroine is, is sort of the opposite of Octopath Traveler in a lot of ways. It's like a 15-hour cinematic old-school RPG. Um, just in terms of visual, the art style, both the style of the music and the, the character art and everything else, it's very much in the same vein of Iconoclasts. Where even though it was an entirely different genre and everything else, it sort of, it was actually what I played as a follow-up to Iconoclast because it, it sort of, I was, I was feeling that I needed something retro and old school, and I played a handful of other retro-ish, old school-ish indie platformers, uh, and they weren't really doing it for me, and Cosmic Star Heroin was the drug I needed. Oh, oh there <laughs> uh, you go. So. <laughs> One of the cool things, the, the, the cool thing it does with the battle system, you're talking about Octopath Traveler, uh, is 
many of the you have basically three types of abilities in Cosmic Star Harrowing. You have uh, abilities that you can reuse as many times as you want in battle. Abilities that you can use once and then need to be recharged. So you need to take a turn and recharge your abilities before you can use it again. And then other abilities that are single use only for the battle. They will never recharge in the battle. And then there's like team up things and, and other items and all the other kind of stuff. Um, so what, what makes the battle system interesting? Oh, there's also, there's just weird things. There's weird abilities that you get too. Um, and they really liked playing with just abilities that do weird things. So for example, there is a character who you, you he's a, primarily like a buff debuff guy. And his abilities are only active when he's dead. So basically you set up all of his buffs and debuffs and then you kill him. And now they're all active. <laughs> I'm sure that makes sense somehow. <laughs> it it, it kind of makes sense. I, I don't really get it. It probably um, does in the game once you've gotten used to it. Yeah. Um, and so, but a lot of the strategy in the game is learning, is sort of the things that I feel like I never did in other RPG games where like you can, some characters like that would have a move to repeat the last move or something like that. Those are always the kind of, I'm just like, ah, I'm sure there's a use for this if I don't use it. Cosmic Star Heroine forces you to use that kind of stuff. So that, because you might have a character who has a really powerful single use move, but then you have a redo last move that you can do as many times as you want. So then you're, so when you're planning out your abilities, you also have limited, you have like a grid that you can put your abilities to so you get like okay. whatever it is. I think it's eight abilities you can bring into battle. And so you need to plan out which ones so that you can optimize, okay, I want to have, you know, a, an attack ability I can always do that I have infinite of and I want to have, I need this elemental ability and that. And then I need to plan out, okay, I need this repeat ability, so that way I can do this elemental ability and then just do it over and over and over and over again. Okay. So it sort of, it, it plays with, with some of the, sort of, the, like I said, some of the things you normally neglect in a JRPG-style game. Um, yeah. The sort of the... Well, it's also, it sounds like it's turning it into... Um, so rather than having to scroll through this long list of commands, mm -hmm. you're now like resource driven. Like you're you're using these different uh, attacks as a resource and planning ahead for whatever that dungeon is, which probably is rewarded for like re replayability and everything. Like, is there are oh, there yeah. difficulty levels? Uh, yes, there's difficulty levels. So going through a second time when you know what a dungeon is going to have, y yeah, you are able to plan better for that fight. Yeah. Those fights, I should say. Yeah, there's only there's a handful of dungeons that are where you have a forced party, but mostly you get to you get to choose. So um, it was it was really fun because it was also it was a great story driven JRPG experience that only lasted 15 hours. About 15 hours is like I went and did optional dungeon dungeons, optional dungeons and fought optional bosses too. So you could. Uh, you could have it done in, in less than that if you just wanted to sort of like play through, enjoy the music, enjoy the story. Well, it's funny because I actually just uh, at Magfest I got to play an indie game that's already on Steam is coming to Switch. I wish I could remember its name, 
Um, I'm going to write about it. it. Should be on my website at some point. But uh, it's also in the interest of like we only want to be like a 15-hour game. Like we don't want to be very long. And it looks very much like Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. So hmm. indies seem to be a good place to go. With we understand you're a working adult that doesn't have 80 million hours to dedicate to everything. Yeah. So and we don't have a triple A budget to you know polish 100 hours of too. gameplay. So there's that too. Yeah. So cool. Right. So we should probably move on. So yeah. I, Speaking I, of, uh, if I'm correct, is yep. Speaking of polish and gameplay and triple A and money. Um, we got God of War, which I only played because you kept nagging me. This is the funny thing about, like, me, for the most part, knowing what I like and what I don't like. And as I, I believe in our podcast on it, what I said was they marketed this game as something that I would hate. And they didn't show anything that I would love about this game. And then... The exploration element, the fact that it's not actually open world, and all of the optional content like the Valkyries and Muspelheim and all that, that's what I really ended up digging about this game. And it's weird because I'm fond of it, and it's probably the one AAA game this year, okay yeah, full-fledged AAA, that I look back at and it's like, you know what, I would like to replay that again. But at the same time, it does feel a bit bogged down by a lot of that AAA stuff, and it still am am amuses me, I should say, that I keep seeing people respond to its story with like, oh man, it had a really great and wonderful and engaging story, and I'm like, it functioned. So, <laughs> so yeah, the story's, the story's interesting. Uh, and again... We've got a full-length podcast about this one. We do. So, I think that the story got hamstrung a little bit by the gameplay. Because, um, so your base premise is Kratos and his son go to scatter Kratos' dead wife's ashes off the highest point in the world's. Uh, that's it. That's the that's, story. that's it. That's the story. No, I like that element. And I like that. I like that. That's good. Where it gets bogged down is where it turns into it turns into like one of the, like the worst part of RPG thing where it's like, oh well, now we can't get past here. So to get past here, we got to talk to this guy. Oh, for this guy to give us what we need to get past there, we got to go do this thing Fetch for this other quest. guy to get this thing to bring back to this guy to get the thing we need. To climb the mountain. And in the meantime, your kid is periodically becoming a jerk. Right. Because he needs to have a character arc. And at the same time, there were the, the other characters were interesting. It's a really... Sm for a big game, it's a really small game. Yes. There's only a handful of, of well, speaking characters. What's really funny, too, is recently the um, director, Corey Barlog... Not Balrog. Not Balrog. I keep wanting to say Balrog. Um, he fools everyone by making his Twitter Corey Balrog. Um, <laughs> but he um, stated that DLC for this game would have been too ambitious. Which is funny because this is a full game where Muspelheim, that could have been DLC. Um, Niflheim, I think it is, 
could have been DLC. These are two completely optional areas that could have yeah. been downloadable, pay-for content, and instead they put it in the game. If there is anything to commend God of War for, it is that it is a full AAA game package without DLC, and it does not feel like it needs it. It's yeah. complete, and it has that extra stuff for if you really love the game, you can go and you can climb Muspelheim twice. You can go and you can get everything in Niflheim, and Niflheim is going to be a time-consuming one. I can tell you that. And you can fight the Valkyries, hunt down and fight Which all. Which I did all that, and that was oh, Right, again, fun. I feel like... That yeah. was, those are so good. Like, I feel like if this were an EA game, you would have had the core story, and then it would have been like, you know, DLC Pack 1... You know, Valkyrie boss challenge, and you know, DLC back to yeah. Muspelheim, Tower of Death. It's a challenge, yeah. yeah, it's a challenge mountain, it's a challenge volcano. Right. You just climb it and you fight interesting combat arenas. Yeah. And so... That would have totally been DLC, and instead they made it part of the game. Yeah, they just, they just, they just gave you the whole game with all the extra bits and all, and everything, and that and was it. That's the stuff that done. I loved. That's the stuff so that just, I loved. So that's like... Go buy God of War just because it's just a game like they used to make. I would say that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's got some of its issues, and Sony's... What issues? It's perfect. Yeah, Wait, I, I was shut just up. talking about issues. <laughs> anyway, so we can move on from God of War. Again, we have our podcast. Most of my thoughts are there. Wrote about it on the website. What's next? What is the next topic? It is, drumroll please, going the exact opposite direction, Mega Man 11. And by exact opposite direction, I mean sort of exact opposite. It is smaller budget. It's mm-hmm. Capcom, and it's exactly the games like how they used to make. Um, there you but, go. But with some accessibility options. Um, I meant to play this. I never did. I never downloaded it. I really like Mega Man 11. Um, and note that original Blue Bomber Mega Man, which I feel like I might have said this on the podcast before, was never really huge on. Like, Mega Man X was the game that I owned. And Mega Man 6, but I mean, and Mega Man 8. So I guess you can see why I love Mega Man Six, uh, Mega Man X more, because the only Mega Man game proper I owned were six and eight. If you're familiar with them, Mega Man. Well, uh, anyways, uh, we must stop <laughs> Doctor Wily. Um, I'm not. Mega Man Eight's amazing because it has the worst voice acting. Oh, it has voice acting. Oh, it's I, got the worst voice acting. Okay, I had but, Mega Man Two and Four on the NES. Okay. So that, that was my reference point. But with Mega Man 11, uh, they do have voice acting, but I was able to switch to Japanese because I'm a complete weeb. Um, <laughs> Even if it's bad, you don't understand it, so it's like... Exactly. <laughs> Dude, Japanese take voice acting so seriously, and yet, because they're such like... It, it, it's, it's weird. It's weird. Even when they're being melodramatic, it sounds fine. It sounds better than, like, Americans hamming it up because... American voice actors for anime and JRPGs and Japanese games are usually not as talented as real actors. No. Usually it's not. not, it's not That's like... such an insulting thing, and I know that there are actually talented actors. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. Hold on, how many bullet holes do I have in my <laughs> foot now? <laughs> well, uh, right, okay. All, like, all my life, you'd be, not, I'm surprised I got any foot left. They don't have... It's not John DiMaggio and Hank Azaria and, you know... Well, sometimes it is John DiMaggio. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let's, 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 let's skip by the voice acting bit. The thing is, Mega Man 11 does a lot of stuff to really help bring you into, like, 
if you want to play a Mega Man but you're an adult that's busy and you don't have time to die 8,000 times, you got two lower, you got like normal, casual, and like easy. Right. And casual is what I played on before first, and it was fine. And then you have the whole speed gear thing, and I guess power gear, but I barely used it. But speed gear is where you can slow down the level for a brief amount of time and slow down the enemies. And what that does gives the level designers opportunity to make these really interesting puzzle-ish segments of a level. It's kind of like you're puzzling out when do I use the speed gear, when do I turn it off. So it's still it's still skill based, but it's also kind of just that that puzzle element. Um, they implement it into the boss fights as well, and no. And part of the fun of Mega Man is also figuring out. Well, maybe for you, for some people, is figuring out when to use certain weapons. So it's not just figuring out the boss weaknesses. Mm -hmm. It's okay. We have this sub boss. What do I use against this sub boss? Why are you looking over there? I'm just. I'm just trying to look into neutral space while I listen to you and scratch my foot. So you have all this different stuff you need to go for, or you could just look online and be like, what are the weaknesses of the robot mm -hmm. bosses? Um, the only problem I really have with the game is some weapon, uh, robot master weapons are less useful than others. They are not all created equal. And the first robot master boss is really different and if you know the pattern, he's actually not that bad. But it's tough learning the pattern at first. Mm -hmm. And he's got three different modes. It's really kind of annoying. The first guy is kind of annoying on normal difficulty. And then um, the second boss he would fight, uh, Acid Man, his ability is very, very finicky. And it can drain your power real quick. And ultimately, it's... It reaches a point where it's like, okay, I've mastered this on casual. I'm really good at it on casual. Now to up the difficulty. Wow, it's a big spike at the beginning because these two guys are really weird and they're not as good as any of the others. Because once you're done that, once you get like Impact Man and you're able to go to Bounce Man and all that other like, that's where the, the game basically opens up. It's good. It's easy. And it's, uh, well, not easy, but it's more achievable. Uh, kind right. of, whatever. Words. I'm a writer. Um, you just got to get over the hump. Yes, but it is a good game. I really enjoyed it. It's one of my favorite games because it's just pure game. It's pure video game. It's not a shame to be what it is. Cool. So I my uh, my game for this segment is Kazo, which is oh, it's not my turn to be bored. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna stare into space now. So <laughs> so Chasm is uh, it wasn't released a ton of fanfare, partly because I think uh, everyone, it came out like a week before Dead Cells. It also got a lot of negative response to some of its design decisions, if I recall. Yeah, well, it, it was sort of, I think everyone was hyped up about Dead Cells, which sort of proved to be a more hardcore, roguelike, Metroidvania type deal. It's kind of like how everyone made a big deal out of Celeste, which were released around the same time as Iconoclasts, because Celeste is, I guess, this really interesting platform with a good story, but, eh. But, so anyway, so, so Chasm uh, was my pick. I, I didn't want to play it. I liked the, reading about it sounded more my, my alley than 
dead cells. Now, didn't it have procedural generation stuff? Going yes. On? So okay. every so basically the way the procedural generation works in Chasm, when you start the game, it generates a, a world. Um, there are certain fixed points in the world, uh, and it's more just a matter of how you navigate to those fixed points changes every time. So the maze changes, but the the elements of the maze don't necessarily change that much. Okay. Um, and then otherwise, it's a, it's a sort of fairly standard idea. You start in a town, you go under the town, and then you conquer different dungeons. You know, within each dungeon are tools that you can use to access other dungeons, or pathways to access other dungeons, and tools you can use to unlock new pathways. Um, it's very, I don't even really want to call it Metroidvania, because it feels so just Castlevania to me. It is, okay. it really is, it's a, it's like a lost Castlevania game at this point kind of thing. Hmm. Um, it's, uh, some of the cool things it has, it has a, a few different weapons with different styles of combat that go with those weapons. So there's like, like you can get like axes or great swords that are like, have a big swing radius, do big damage, but they're really slow. Uh, versus a short sword that is fast and stabs and you can hit it a lot but it doesn't have a lot of range and so you sort of have to figure out what's your play style and then balance that with because this is I think something that falls into the procedural thing you might just not get a great short sword for a while so you have to say okay my short sword is terrible I'm getting like 15 more damage points out of this longsword that I'm no good with, but I've got to use it anyway. Um, so it's it's, uh, it's it's interesting, it's fun, it's not, it was not revolutionary, nor was it groundbreaking. Uh, I like the idea of making, sort of making the maze different. It was annoying because I got stuck once. I couldn't find one specific tool that I needed and where to find it. Like it was one of those things where you know you need this thing to get that thing, and then you need that thing to get this thing. And I was just like, well, where's the last thing? And I just couldn't find it because it's in a different place for everybody. <laughs> so there's no walkthrough that can help you. It's like, no, this is, which I think is kind of a cool, they, they, they sort of got around that aspect of modern gaming where when you can't find something, you can't do something, you just look it up. Which is like a good and a bad at the same time. Because yeah. like, again, like you're in your situation and it's like, ah. Eventually I found it and I got through it. And, uh, and yeah, it was, um, you know, there, it, has a, it has a little story. You rescue the townspeople and everyone. And it's, uh, you know, it's just kind of like a, a fun little old school romp. Uh, I, I definitely recommend it if... So at least half of our games are old school romps, if not more. Yeah, so yeah, we were kind of into the old school stuff this year. Yeah, I mean, when we weren't playing God of War and Spider-Man. Spider-Man. You know, we now, were Now, first, playing. first, note, note, I had eye contact, eye contact. I, I, with that, with... I know how to listen. <laughs> <laughs> Unless or, we're playing or, Destiny. Or, yeah, and I wasn't playing Destiny. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, we were playing... We were playing old, of course, because you can't... You can't play, you know, high definition cinematic experience like with you can't do that all year all year long. 
You need something to take a break from it. But Spider-Man. Spider-Man is like the Trojan... Uh, I'm just, I'm you I can't whistle. Music. I can't whistle. No, I, I already do that. I put that in myself. <laughs> um, Make sure it matches up. No, because I'm not going to bring in Spider-Man. Spider-Man can do anything in the Spider-Can. Um, not unless it's by Green Jelly. <laughs> um, but... Uh, Spider-Man, the the what I would consider a sort of Trojan horse because it starts out so well. Remember how when we were first like playing it, and I was like, I think I like this better than God of War. Yeah. Now I've got the now I've got the other two parts of the DLC again. Let's compare to God of War here, sitting on my hard drive, and I'm just kind of like, you know, I don't really care. What happens to the city that never sleeps? Let it rot. Let Peter Parker think that he he, he lost. You know, someone. it's sort of like it's sort of like a um, you know. There's a handful of games that have sort of had this idea that maybe you, if, you, if you the player stop playing, it's sort of like the hero just decides, gives up. Gives up. He quit. He's done. That's it. And if Chris, if Chris, he's perpetually I, in that sing, that part of Spider-Man Two where he stops being Spider-Man. Yeah. If Chris and I were, were Spider-Man, that's that's just how how we go. Because it's, Peter it's, Parker gave up. He got a real job. He, you know. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it's 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 not, and that's the thing. Like it's not that it's a bad game. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff to like about it. But it's one of those games where the more you played it, the more its flaws started to show. And then you play the DLC and it's like, they did not have enough time to actually respond to feedback. Right. It's very clear that they were working on that DLC since before the game went gold. They planned on all of it. Like, yeah. The DLC was feature locked before the game was like released. Right. And, and there are some, I feel like some of the issues in the game are made even worse by the new the new enemies they introduced in the DLC. Yep. And also it's like we 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 took what like a couple weeks off of the the game and then we jump into the DLC and it's like why am I bad at combat again? And it's like this whole weird adjusting to the game's quirks is the best way I can put it. Because it's like, it's one thing to learn the game's combat system and to have to like, okay, what do the buttons do? It's another thing to remember, oh yeah, the AI has, the enemy AI has the tendency to like spin 180 degrees on its heel in a perfect pivot mid-punch. So it's got like all this stupid little crap going on that is like, okay, you can learn to deal with it when you're playing the game, but you have to learn yeah. that again. I also like something that this this uh, this will come up in another one of the games we'll talk about. The the dodging still kind of bugs me because it's like you gotta wait to dodge. I never like that. Like if you show me a, if you show me a visual cue that I need to dodge, you I'm should gonna, have a dodge interrupt. I, sh I uh, yeah. I, I, anyway, but well, it's not even that. It's like again, like one of, one of the things I mentioned, and I noticed when watching your son play on an easier difficulty. And that's another thing. This year did feel like the year of playing on easier difficulties because a lot, like I didn't, but a lot of people were like, oh yeah, I knocked God of War down at difficulty and I started having a great time. <laughs> um, a lot like watching Titus play Spider-Man, it's like in some ways this is how the AI should be. Because like when, when you're playing on normal difficulty, even the guys with the machine guns are like psychic. They know exactly where you're going to be before you're there. 
it yeah. feels like because they they're able to perfectly track you it's like if you it's, can't perfectly dodge then you're kind of screwed you get hit anyway it's sort of like spider-man in some ways is the anti-iconoclasts because in iconoclasts you had a limited tool set where everything had a perfect function and and worked in that function in spider-man you've got more tools than you'll actually use in the game and half those tools don't work the way that you That's want them. That's called player choice in the AAA space. Uh, excuse me. Half the tools don't work the way you want them when you need them to work. Yeah. Um, That's and, called glut in the actual like game design space, but nobody wants to pay attention to that. And and so, yeah, so it's sort of... Speaking of Assassin's Creed, oh, oh. So, <laughs> so anyway, anyway, so I think I think that's kind of where we both ended up. Where, you know, I, I liked the story. Um, there were there were moments where I really liked the the gameplay, um, and then there's moments where there were there were longer passages where it just kind of felt tedious. No, where oh, I wanted to, I, I I cared enough about the story, and I was enjoying aspects of it enough still to continue playing um but you know at the point in the game when there's like guys with rocket launchers and sniper rifles on every rooftop in the entire city just like, like batman arkham i will say like that's yeah yeah but that's not exclusive to spider-man it's not exclusive it felt worse in spider-man than it felt in in like arkham city though is it because you haven't played arkham city in a while you might be remembering the best of Arkham City and like trying to erase the worst. Then again, Arkham City, when everything was going to heck, you basically just beeline for the final area anyway. So, anyways, um, yeah. The one thing I want to say, like, just left is, um, I mean, from my perspective though, because after Spider Man, I then played Shadow of the Tomb Raider. I definitely want to replay Spider Man on New Game Plus mm-hmm. with all the good abilities unlocked. And not having to give a crap about stupid time trial crap. <laughs> Shadow of the Tomb Raider. I promised people I'd try and play it this year for my YouTube channel. Do a video on it. I don't know if I want to. I kind of really don't want to go back to that one. We'll see. Because it's like I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing now. And it's got me like thinking, you know, maybe I just want to do this instead. <laughs> uh, to be as vague as possible. But no, I don't want. I don't want to. I, I don't want to go back to Shadow of the Tomb Raider. So Spider Man at least has that. When you unlock everything, and that's part of the yeah. problem too. Is like there's so many good combat options that did not want to need to be un, uh, unlockable. Yeah. But that's where you go back and you listen to our skill trees episode. Yeah, yeah. and and there was. I'll try and to have, link all of these in the pa- in the post. Yeah, it does have. It does have the the. I would agree. When you have all the things, the tools unlocked and all the abilities unlocked, it does take off. But so, so yeah. Listen it's to our Spider-Man great. episode. Listen to our Skill Trees oh, episode. One last final. I do want to say though, when it comes to all that extra content, can we reach a point where an open-world game is fine, having a ten to fifteen-hour story, and it's just a great world to wander around in, and does not need fifteen to twenty hours of padding? side content just to like I mean I guess it's like we paid all this money for this big open world we may as well give people reasons to go around it it's like not like that man not like that like it's honestly I feel like the game would be much more replayable if it's just 10 to 15 hours granted again because you can new new game plus you can just 
burn through that without doing side content anyway, but we'll see. Um, we'll see. But that's our thoughts on Spider-Man. And next is what is on my list? You, I, I was gonna try and like. Uh, no segues here. Do We're a not segues. No. Smash Brothers. Super Smash Brothers. Yes, Ultimate. I was actually a little worried about this game. I was a little worried because Smash Brothers Four on the Wii U and 3DS was the first time I liked Smash Brothers in a long time. There are multiple factors for that, but I was really worried that there would be. I was really worried that everyone would have their. You're looking at your phone again, man. I got a notification. I was just checking my notification. You're such I a millennial. Was a notification You're from my such wife. a hipster millennial. But <laughs> I look. My phone is in my pocket. You know I got some self-esteem issues, reason, man. I'm gonna, reason, I'm gonna only, tell this to my therapist when the I get here. The only reason I was holding my phone is because we have the list on it. I saw it with my wife, and so I looked at my notifications, and I'm sorry if it appeared as if I was not interested in what you were saying. <laughs> now that we can get Smash back on track. And you were afraid. You were afraid. That, it would, that I would end up being like all those guys that insist Smash Melee for the GameCube still the best. Like everyone's going to have their version of Smash that they're going to just be unable to move on from. Smash Brothers Ultimate is the best I could have hoped for. Made a lot of good improvements. Everybody's here and I still don't have everyone unlocked. And it's World of Light mode is what I think saved it for me. Because if it was like Smash 4, I don't have people I can just regularly play it with uh, competitive. So for me, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, like, if I'll really, like, will I play it for like a few hours and then just not touch it anymore? Will I even unlock any characters? And then World of Light comes along and it's the simple idea that allows you to do all these neat little bite-sized chunk fights with a sort of light RPG system to it. With a rock, paper, scissors weakness and everything to it, you're customizing your gear, uh, which would be spirits and everything. So it has that inherent, like, just one more, just one more, just one more quality to it, while being a little bit more engaging than just, okay, I'm brawling, I'm brawling, I'm brawling. You're thinking about your gear like you would a role-playing game. You're swapping it out between different fights. So, Smash Brothers Ultimate, um, I love Ridley, he plays great. Uh, Zero Suit Samus might not be my main anymore. It might actually be Bowser. Bowser. So it's like, oh man, we're switching things up. It's all crazy town in here. King K. Rule is incredibly broken. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've seen it. I don't even play it, but I've seen online that in the competitive scene that King K. Rule is like... He's quick, he's ranged, and he's got a counter. And he's one of the big guys, which means it takes forever to knock him off stage. Uh, so so it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. But... Bowser's also quicker, which is why I don't just get... I'm just not a punching bag with him anymore, so... There's just... Oh, there's so much to like about this game. Um, it's it's like a... It's a no-brainer if you got a Switch, which is why, naturally, you don't have it yet. Um, I have a Switch. But you don't have Smash Brothers. You're right. So I don't have a brain? Exactly. Oh, wait, maybe... I don't know, because if you say it's a no-brainer... But then... I don't have a... Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Hoist by my own petard. <laughs> Quick, move on. Next subject. Next so, subject. <laughs> so what I put in this slot for, for me was um, I, I didn't have a ton of of 2018 games that I played in 2018. Uh, was playing games with kids. That was a big thing for me this year. Oh, uh, yeah, you cheated. I cheated. Yeah, I totally cheated. <laughs> I mean, what do you want me to do? I can talk about like Dragon Quest XI that I'm three hours into. 
Uh, you played about- something. You know what? No, no, you're right. You didn't play a lot this year because you played way too much of Destiny. You could talk about the annual pass. You could do that. <laughs> you guys, you guys want to hear? What would you rather hear? They right? don't. I mean, they can't respond. Cause they can't respond. They're in the future, but um, we okay. But I can talk about. You know, what I'll talk about playing with my kids is Starlink. There you go. That's so. So Starlink is really interesting. Um, it's it's sort of like. If you made Mass Effect Andromeda for kids, only, not really. My first thought was No Man's Sky, but towards the life no and action-based. Sky. Well, because it's got these, it's got like, you've got a, what makes me think Mass Effect a little bit is the, the crew, you have like a crew, and okay. uh, like, you know, there's all these interactions, and there's a mystery... Like you're, there's a story, there's like a story and you find this, there's this, whatever, this substance that is really powerful and your boss learns how to produce it and then some dark alien cabal kidnaps your boss and then your crew is the, his, the crew that he assembled for this secret mission to this unexplored section of the galaxy. See, this, this is starting to sound a little Mass Effect-y, right? I can see it. And then you, right. And then each member of the crew has different abilities and strengths and okay. weaknesses and different personality and all that other stuff. And if you get the thing, you can be Fox McCloud. Are you Fox McCloud? We we played a bunch of we played as much as the Fox McCloud thing. We yeah, we have been Fox McCloud. So anyway, so I'm playing with my kids, which makes it more interesting, I guess, or less interesting depending on on how you do it. So things I love about Starlink. My. My big genre in the 90s was Space Flight Sims. Um, mm. I loved Wing Commander. Like, Wing Commander was my jam. I played other stuff like Descent Free Space, Sticks Out, as like a. Like, it was like a. There was a time when people wanted to copy Wing Commander, uh, which is kind of funny now to think about. There was also X Wing versus TIE Fighter. And uh, I played that. Yeah, I played, I played, I played X, uh, X Wing, X Wing versus TIE Fighter. Um, I think of another one I played that was really cool. Anyway, so that was like my, my jam in the '90s, and those just disappeared. They they for a while there, yeah. They're they're and, and so they're only semi coming back. Yeah, and so Starlink being kind of cinematic and being sometimes it's a space flight sim, other times it's like a tank sim. It's really so. A, there's a Star Fox angle. Well, no, no. Here's the thing. This is not. This is not a flying game. This is a tank game with flying sections. Because the majority of the game is spent on the surface of planets where you're basically a tank. You hover just above the surface and you you do stuff, you collect resources and blow stuff up and, and, and there's a lot of stuff. So the, the, of course the core mechanic of the game right, is these ships. Um, if you want to be really, really boring, dry, dull adult, then you get it digital and you get all the ships digital, and it's cheaper, and it's really, really boring. If you're cool and fun, and love life and games and everything else, you buy the physical ships that you can then take apart and reassemble. And what's cool about it is, so we, initially we only had one of the controllers to do that. We only had one set of uh, Joy-Cons. We, the Switch Chuckas. Um, Joy-Con. It's Joy-Con. not hard to say. Joy-Con. 
Well, I think that we had the nunchucks. It did. So they're like switch chucks. Uh, but they're not nunchucks. Anyway, we only had one set of those, so we only played one player. And so my one son would be building a ship and he put putting the guns on and everything else. And my other son would be playing, and then they periodically switch out the ships and then he'd build something else. And one of the things that's cool about it is you can just like build the ships any way you want and they look that way in the game. If you put the wings on upside down and backwards, and then you put the gun on, like the gun could be facing backwards and it'll shoot behind you. Which is could be useful in its it own could be, way. Yeah, there, there, maybe there's a use case for that. But it'll look, so whatever you do, so you know, you've got these mismatched ships and every, you know, it's just, it's fun. Um, you everything the physical ships are super cheap right now. Oh yeah, because, because no one's buying. Because them. no one's buying them. No one's buying the game, which is kind of a shame. It is a shame because it was a really fun idea. Toys for Life is really dead, it's, and it's, unless you're an amiibo. Yeah, it's the the whole genre is dead. But buy this game, please, so that we get a sequel, so that we get more tiny plastic spaceships. Well, if enough of the digital ones sell, then basically they'll just kill the Toys to Life angle. Which, for you as a dad with kids that want to play with this stuff, but as me, as an adult, without a lot of space, I just want the R-Wing because there's no R-Wing model like that that I can buy that's affordable. Just buy it then. I will eventually. The pack's like $15 or something. I can't right now. I've got okay. too many other things. Oh, you're buying because you're buying the Iconoclast for the third time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got, we got to keep this moving. Buy Star we're Wing. We're just about. We're just about honestly oh, done. I mean. Oh yeah, we are. We are pretty close. Because otherwise, that. we were just like, what are we going to talk about? Disappointments. Destiny Two again and again and again. Well, the Destiny Two made like huge news today. But again, we'll leave that for next week. And, and I do mean next week. I want to come by next week because my car is going to be getting worked on, which means who knows when I'll next be able to be over here. So next week we will actually have two weeks in a row. Of two AC. weeks in a row. No way. No way. What a way to start 2019. Um, and 2019 is what we'll be talking about, what we're looking forward to, even though there's technically not a lot of announcements yet. Yeah, I've got stuff I'm looking forward to. I do too. Stuff you're not, you know, oh, we, we were talking about this the other day on our, like, on our chat. I think we were. But, but even in just the first three months. This is like, this is my, like, October, November coming up right now. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that later, though. Alright, so, so Darksiders. Do you want to talk about Darksiders 3? I don't know if I can. I Because you're not very far in it. I, and that's the thing. Like, I'm kind of... I'm kind of mad at it right now. <laughs> we'll like, find out if this is another Monster Hunter world for you. It's... See, like... Unlike Monster Hunter world... This is... Okay, here's my... Here's my, my problem with Darksiders 3. I... I, I, I want to love it. I just want to love it so much. I'm bad at it, but I don't know if I'm just bad at it. Like when I play, you're bad at it because you're so bad like, at video games. I am. So like when I played the Souls, like Dark Demon Souls is the only one I've played from front to back. Um, yes, like everything is really hard and requires precision and timing and everything else, and the bosses require strategy and preparation and all this other stuff. But they're also well, so and slower games, but it is slower. It is slower. But so in in Demon Souls, when I would die in a boss fight, I always knew why I died and how to adjust for that the next time. In Darksiders 3, 
Like, when Sloth killed me, I'm not exactly sure why. Like, I know I died. Did you beat, uh, what's-his-face first? The other guy? I couldn't figure out how to get to him. I was stuck in... The Fire Temple? In the Fire Temple place. I couldn't figure out the puzzle to get through, so I went back and fought Sloth a couple times. We'll talk about that a little after, because I feel like Sloth, and he doesn't really give you much of a reward. So, Sloth, I think is better done second because yeah, there's a like, lot of enemies you gotta fight and it's like yeah I figured out the I figured out the puzzle okay kill the guys that are holding him up and then he falls down and then I was I was trying to I was trying to figure out okay do I want to attack him from the side do I want to attack him from the back I don't want to attack him from the front you want to wait <laughs> until he's not attacking you dodge him you do this right. is where it's like Spider-Man where you do the perfect dodge and then you like hit triangle to unleash your hollow attack which does extra damage, or you just use your regular attack, which does extra damage. Well, right, yeah, that's what, I mean, that was my, my goal was to, like, slash, 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 okay, he's attacking, dodge, 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 follow up. Um, but apparently I'm bad at, I'm just bad at it. I think that's part of the, I mean, this is where I will say, I think that's part of the problem with the game being a combination of the Devil May Cry style fast-paced combat, with the dark uh, dark souls ish difficulty level because for me when i th the way i got through the game was barely using combos it was only like a couple a few of them and very specific ones under very specific situations when it came to the bosses i did a lot of waiting to be attacked dodging and then attacking based off of whatever and part of it is learning their an their animations as well it's like how how many like how long do I have until this guy's starting to swing at me again? And so that's it just like how Dark Siders, I mean Dark Souls, people were talking about Dark Souls, it, it does come down to observe the enemy, learn their right. pattern, and figure out how much time you got. But you don't want to keep mashing that attack button. That is the worst thing you can do. And see that's my I'm feeling like this is this is Devil May Cry, not Dark Souls. And so I want to treat it like a like a Devil May Cry boss, where I'm going to hit it until it stumbles or something, and I get a weak spot. Did you knock or... the difficulty down? No. Knock the difficulty down. You might want. No. It. Okay, fine. I mean, it's your funeral. Literally. All right. So we'll talk about Dark Siders three later. Uh, we'll after I turn, after we'll I turn the difficulty down. We'll hopefully have a podcast podcast on it. So on on we'll that. See. So we'll kind of we can talk about. You want to talk about Monster Hunter World? I like, like it and you don't. Yeah, it's it's a janky jank jank jank. Says Mr. Sonic the Hedgehog player. <laughs> you could beat Sonic 06, man. You're awful. Anyways, so Yeah, but like Sonic has like look. Like you got to play Sonic 06 to understand why someone would beat Sonic 06. No, that's a trap. That is a trap right there. I am not going <laughs> to fall for it. This you know, I heard, I, heard, I heard the Xbox version oh is better optimized. If you have an Xbox 360 lying around. No. No. <laughs> no. Because I tried it. I rented it from Gamefly or something. I might have actually bought it. I was going to be like, this is going to be the first Sonic game I really play. But Boo Earns. Boo Earns. No. 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 So... You don't want to like Monster Hunter World is fun because you can climb on a monster and stab it in its face. Well, Sonic 06 is fun because you get to be Sonic, Tails, 
Knuckles, Shadow, Omega. I don't understand how any of that is fun. I've played the games with those people before. Yeah, but... Do you know how often I forget I played Sonic Forces? And we even did an episode on it. <laughs> but it was the last time. It's the last time that you got to be all those characters in a mainline Sonic like I don't care game. I don't care. In 3D. I don't care. Anyways, um, wrapping up again next week we'll be right back with a uh, 2019 looking ahead of what we're interested in. We're talking about Destiny. We might talk about Destiny a little and bit. And Bungie. Yeah. And now and no Chris one's is gonna... like a little bit excited right now. No, but... yeah, but now no one's gonna listen to the episode. <laughs> it's like oh god Destiny again. Um, but Anyways. Destiny 2, Forsaken, get the annual pass. Don't, don't, don't. Just Add me on PSN, Cosme, I'm on all the shut time. Up. Shut up. I'll play with you. I'll get you through. St- I'll, 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 no, you He'll Sherpa you. Uh, you yeah, yeah, but you don't really want. Chris, talk to Chris about me Sherpaing you. Guys, mail the boss, mail the boss, mail the boss. What do you mean? What are you talking about? We've never. It's like, this has been. Like, uh, people have right. been saying this is Destiny 1. We've never said it. Okay, but, uh, but anyways, honestly, for, for everyone listening out there, for the, the, the however many of you there are, comment on on this on the the Ramble Pack page on Facebook or something or on Twitter, and let us know if you think if somebody started shouting to melt the boss, if you would know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> RamblePack sixty four at gmail You can email there as if anyone ever does. I don't think anybody really cares. I don't know if I'm going to have the Facebook page up much, actually. It doesn't really get much traction. It's mostly my friends. So, um, granted, that could probably be describe the audience here anyway. <laughs> so, who knows? Uh, RamblePack64.com, RamblePack64 at gmail.com for contact. Um, YouTube.com slash RamblePack64. It's all RamblePack64 now, which you spell it like RamblePack64, but no C. So, well, you don't see what? Shut up. Should people be finding you on the prog uh, line? The prog line, I get my, uh, my, my annual list should be up. It's short, it's light, it's funny. I think it's funny. It's probably not. You made it. I, I, it's probably not funny. <laughs> Jason humors me and posts it anyway, even though it's not funny. There's an award involving dinosaurs. All right. And an award involving robots. All right. So, so it's you like guys it's the internet, basically. Go to the prog, as in P-R-O-G. Yeah. Mind or dash mind? Mind. The prog mind. mind okay, no dash. Word. No dash. One word. Progmind.net? Com. Com. Sorry. We're, what, what kind of outfit do you think we are? <laughs> Sorry. Um, progmind.com. I'm giving you all the worst information. Yeah. Um, sort of like when I was on the, the Magic Hour and I said to, to use, get a gamer tagged. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least it'll still forward for the while. Okay. Um, but... Next week, next Saturday, look out for our opinions on 2019, um, what we're looking forward to, because clearly you care. Um, All right, everybody, have Have, a good night. Have a good night.